Glad you guys are here. Glad you've chosen to worship with us again today. We're going to continue our series on fresh fruit. Uh, you know it's fresh fruit because have you ever kept fruit too long? You know, when you, I don't know where they come from, but you start seeing the fruit flies, right? You know, they just, they just like bananas that have been there too long. All of a sudden, you just see these little things flying around them. Does that ever happen? It's only happened in my house, right? Tell me that's not only happened in my house. It's happened here. Tell me, please. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you can confess later at the end. Uh, but it needs to be fresh. It's not that we are given the fruit once upon a time, and then we have to live with that one piece of fruit all of our lives, but it's fresh fruit. It's fresh fruit for today. We're going to continue with the fruit of the Spirit. We've done the first two, love and joy, and now we're going to concentrate on the third. Why don't you stand with me one more time? I want you to read this verse with me, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You'll have this memorized, hopefully, by the time we're done here. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And I got the clicker. Ready? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. May we be closer to who you've called us to be because we've met together today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Like I said, today we're going to focus on peace. And the most peaceful scene I can ever imagine was the one we find in Genesis chapter 2, right? It's a beautiful garden that God has made for, for his man, Adam. He has uh, given him everything he could possibly want, and then he figures, you know, I'm missing something. I need a wife. And so God blesses him with a wife, and they are living, they're just wonderfully peaceful in there. They wake up, they have the food, the animals come and hang out with them. Then in the cool of the evening, God himself comes and takes a walk with them, one of those nice and non-rushed, just leisurely afternoon strolls that you just... Share what's going on in your day. God, you know, I saw the, the orchids you made. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, I made those for you guys. Uh, you know, I, God, I don't understand the elephant. Uh, you got to help me with the elephant. Well, I was having fun, you know. That's one of those questions I want to ask God one day. Why the elephant? Uh, and then he, God says, you remember, you can have anything you want, but not that tree, right? Oh, yeah, we remember that. We can have anything we want, but not that tree. Remember that. But I don't know if there's been a decision in history that has immediately caused such consequences, universal consequences as this. For a generation that's older than me, you know for, uh, if I say November 22nd, 1963, you know where you were, right? When you heard the news that Kenny had been shot. Life changed, didn't it? For uh, growing up, my generation, it was when the shuttle Challenger exploded. We were all in school, and life was different from then on. For the majority of us that are in this room, it was September 11th, 2000. I was in working, I was in grad school. I was working at the hotel in Kansas City, and 
everything stopped. Everything. And life has never been the same. But in that moment, when the serpent talked Eve into thinking that if she just knew what was going on, if she just took the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, if she could just decide for herself what was right and wrong, if she just took control of her life instead of allowing God to have control, as soon as she believed that lie that everything would be fine and great and good and wonderful, life changed forever. And it's never been the same. We read in chapter 3, the consequences of what happened. Verse 7, we read these words. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And they, were suddenly, they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? He replied, I, I heard you walking in the garden, and, and so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from that tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? It was her. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me. So ultimately, it's your fault, God, but it was her fault because it was the woman that you gave me who gave me the fruit and, well, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? In that moment, everything changed. Peace was gone. You see, when we understand peace, we, we think of the absence of war, and that's part of it, right? If there's peace, then there's no fighting. How many of you want peace in your households when it comes to your, your kids? Uh, anybody else's kids kind of pick at each other? I think little brothers are given the spiritual gift of annoying their big sisters. Because I'm, I'm, Noah has been blessed beyond measure in that, uh, that way. Uh, but we pray for peace, the lack of strife, lack of conflict. But in the, the Hebrew, the, the true biblical understanding of peace is so much deeper than just not fighting with someone. It includes actually whole relationships. To have peace means to be whole, to be complete, to be well in every one of your relationships. To have complete peace means you, are, you have complete peace in every relationship. How many of you have peace today? You see, it's all about relationships. All about relationships. And when Eve decided that she wanted to make her own decisions, when she, she decided that she knew better than God, well, that's called sin. When we break what God wants us to do, when we decide we know better than God, when our ego and our self gets in the way, then that's called sin. And you know what sin does? It causes broken relationships. You look at every broken relationship, and I can point to sin. I can point to the sin of selfishness, of greed, of pride, the sin of adultery, the sin of, of uh, apathy, 
There's sin that's involved in every one of your broken relationships. And it may have been someone else's sin that affected that. It was out of your control, but still it's sin. And the peace that was broken in the garden wasn't just peace with others. It was ultimately, first of all, it was peace with ourselves. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, the first thing they, they noticed when they had eaten was that they, oh no, I'm broken, I'm flawed, I need to cover up now, I'm not the same, I need to hide. I think we've been hiding and covering up from that day on. Because we don't want to be honest with ourselves and we definitely don't want anybody else to know us. We've broken, have broken relationships with ourselves, but we've also had the broken relationship with God that caused it in the first place. What did they do? They'd never done this before. They'd never experienced the need to want to do this. When they realized that they were naked, when they realized that they needed to cover themselves up, and they heard God come around the corner for his daily walk with them, what did they do? They hid because they were ashamed. They'd never experienced that before. All of a sudden, there was a a gulf between them and God, a gulf of shame, a gulf of guilt, a gulf of pride, a gulf of sin. They'd never experienced that before, but... You know what it made him want to do? Hide. And then there was the broken relationship with others. I love the chain that happened, right? God, Adam, uh, why are you hiding? Did you eat from the tree? It wasn't me, it was her, and it's your fault because you gave her to me. Eve, what'd you do? Well, it's not my fault because the serpent that you put in here, it's her his fault. All of a sudden, the peace that was experienced between Adam and Eve, the complete openness, there was nothing between them at that point. There became enmity between them. The blame game started. Sin causes broken relationships with others too. Brokenness. I think our lives are defined by brokenness in some way. We've all experienced it. We're all experiencing it in some way. And there's only one remedy for brokenness. I think we feel like Humpty Dumpty, right? And we're broken and we're not whole again and all the king's horses and all the king's men. There's no way that they can put us back together again. There's been too much hurt. There's been too much pride. There's been too many mistakes, too many poor choices. There's been too much to put us back. But we're longing for peace. We're longing for wholeness. We're longing to to not have the strife that when we lay down our heads at night, we don't have to worry about anything. We're okay with God. We're okay with ourselves. We're, We're fine with who we are now. And we have absolutely nothing between us and anybody else. We long for that kind of peace. But that peace only comes through, well... The Bible calls it the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9. Free through Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who spoke of uh, into the the lives of the people in uh, Judah at that time who were experiencing oppression from uh, the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And uh, Isaiah said, hold on because I see God working in our lives. God's going to work. And he said, I'm going to tell you this. You may have heard this passage. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called, 
Anybody know your handle? Ready? Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And what's going to be amazing about this Prince of Peace is that his government and his peace will never end. The peace that he establishes on the earth, the peace that he brings, the wholeness and wellness that he brings will never, ever end. So they long for that day. They long for that day. That day when the Messiah, the the anointed one, would finally come and establish his his kingdom of peace. And later in a couple of chapters down down the road in chapter 11, Isaiah begins to explain what that peace is going to look like. And it's really weird. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can look back to 11, uh, Isaiah 11, chapters 1 through 9. And uh, By the way, you can bring your Bibles. It's okay. I'm going to keep telling you that. I encourage you to do that. Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 9 uh, says this, And the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. That's going to be the Messiah, this Prince of Peace. He's gonna, first of all, they're going to have the Spirit of the Lord resting on them. And because of that, In that day, now this is really weird, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. Time out. We know what's going to happen if that happens, right? You've seen enough Discovery Channel, National Geographic. What happens? What's going to happen here? A wolf and a lion living together, that's not going to happen because there will soon be one, just a wolf, right? Uh, a leopard and a baby goat, we know what's going to happen there, right? Who's going to win? The baby goat. No. The leopard. The calf and the yearling will be safe with what? The lion. And a little child's going to be in there amongst a bunch of them. It's crazy. That's not the way the world works. And then the cow will graze near the bear, and the cub and the calf will lie down together, and the lion will eat like the cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm, because nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for as far as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord." Isaiah is saying, when the kingdom of peace comes, it's going to be so radically different, so amazingly different, that life will never be the same. Will never be the same. Abby, I think you're going to have to help me out now. If it will click down. If not, I'll just go on without it. But it's a kingdom, there we go, the kingdom of peace. And this Prince of Peace is the one that's going to bring the kingdom of peace. Now, they longed for that. They longed for that as as much as they could possibly ever long for it. As weird as it sounded that the way life was would be different, the strife that was in relationship, the power struggles that always went on, the I'm right, you're wrong, they longed for that kind of world to be a reality. And so they prayed for the Messiah to come. They prayed for that. Fast forward to Luke chapter 1. 
Zechariah has been just, just been promised that John the Baptist would be his son. He would be the precursor, the leader of, the one who's going to lead the, the Messiah in. And he said this about the Messiah, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to give, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. He was still, they were still longing for the Messiah to come and to bring that peace that, that had been broken in the garden. To bring us back to the Garden of Eden where we could all just be in perfect peace again. And then Paul kind of tells us exactly what that would look like and what happened in the cross. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because Jesus came in the form of us, because, because He came and died on a cross for us, because He paid the penalty of, of the separation that we caused through our sin, we can have that first relationship that was broken fixed. We can be made complete in that area. We can have peace with God. And that's what he did. The Prince of Peace gave peace. Shortly after the resurrection, he shows up in front of the disciples in a, in a locked room. They were hiding and he shows up there, and the first thing, well, first words out of his mouth after the resurrection to the disciples in John are what? Peace be with you. Let's experience peace. And then he said, as he spoke, he showed them his, his wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he, then he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He just didn't want to give them peace in their relationship with the Father. That was the, 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 the ultimate object, objective of what, what he did on the cross. But that wasn't the end. That was the first objective. It wasn't the ultimate objective. It wasn't all. Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit then produces peace in your lives. Once Jesus is, uh, you've been forgiven through, through the cross of Jesus, once you've been forgiven of your sins, once you've been made new, made whole, and He breathes the Holy Spirit into you, He fills you with His Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will then produce peace. It will produce peace in your relationship with yourself. It will heal you. I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. We looked at this last week, and we actually, it was a song that was being played as, as we began worship today. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, in prayer and thanksgiving, make your request know, known to God, and you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. The presence of the Holy Spirit in your life will give you such a peace that you can't make anything out of it. You don't understand it. 
It wasn't there before, God. Now it's here. It wasn't there when you were trying your best to figure out life and everything in your life was coming down on you and, and life was just turmoil, but then you accepted God and He breathed His Holy Spirit into your life and now I still have my life, I still have problems, I still have the same things that are going on outside here, but guess what? Now I have peace. It doesn't make sense. You see, God's peace exceeds understanding, but it's something that you can experience. It can be experienced. Spafford, the guy who wrote that song, I can't imagine getting the call or the telegram. Your family's just been killed. Be in prayer for some colleagues of Randall and Rachel Beta. They uh, were missionaries in, uh, in South America, and uh, the husband and wife and two children were traveling up north to do some paperwork, and the dad passed a truck, and in the midst of it, there was an accident, and now there's only two left, the father and the son. You're telling me you can have a peace even in that? That doesn't make sense, I know. You can have a peace when you've lost everything? Yeah. Many of you have experienced that peace. The peace that just doesn't make sense. The peace that still when your heart is broken, you know that, God, I know everything's okay between you and I. The peace that when everything is falling apart, Lord, I know you're still in control. Peace. If you don't have that peace, you can. You can have a peace that will get you through anything. A peace that will be bigger than anything you could ever face. Anything, anything you could ever imagine, you can have a peace that is not dependent on the circumstances around you. It's not dependent on what somebody does to you. It's not dependent on what you have. It's not dependent on what you've lost. It's a peace that is grounded in the fact that you are God's child. And because of that, everything is different. You can have peace with yourself because you can be God's child and everything can be different. But once you've experienced that kind of peace, once you've begun to live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit that produces that kind of peace, guess what? You can't keep that kind of peace to yourself. That peace has to be shared. You know, I, I can't understand how those who call themselves followers of Christ ever allow themselves to get caught up in petty disputes, petty arguments, things that really don't matter. And even if they don't matter, we just can't let them go. I think we are so easily offended. But we're called to seek peace with everybody else too. If you've experienced that peace, guess what? 
You're called to share that peace. Hebrews 12, 14, you may have heard this before, says this. Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. The writer of Hebrews ties in your very holiness to the fact to the, uh, of you living in peace with others. He says, if you can't live in harmony with somebody else, how in the world do you expect to ever see God? If you can't forgive someone for something they've done to you, no matter how bad it is, how do you expect to be forgiven by God? If you can't give peace when you've experienced peace, how do you expect to be in the presence of God who is nothing but peace? If you've experienced God's peace in your life, if you have the Holy Spirit who has breathed himself into you, and you are being, as this whole, this whole series is about, led by the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You're called to live in peace as best you can with others. Now, can you make somebody forgive you? No. Can't be done. But can you go to someone and say, you know, I'm sorry, I blew it. Dale, can I use you for a second? Uh, I love Dale. I love what God's doing in his life. But something he said in our girl groups the other day just, just really stuck with me. He says, life is so much easier when people need to, to ask you forgiveness instead of you having to ask their forgiveness all the time. Life is so much easier, so much more peaceful when you're not having to go around put out all, putting out all the fires that you've caused. But instead, you have people coming up to you and saying, you know, I messed up there. I blew that. I sinned. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? If you have the Holy Spirit living in your life, that's the kind of life you need to be living. A life of peace. So where are you today? Which one of those relationships are you lacking? Which one isn't whole? Which one is still broken? Is it your relationship with God? I can tell you if your relationship with God is broken, then everything else is going to be broken. Even if your relationship with, bro- your, with God is, is fixed, you have coldness with Him, if you haven't come to grips with who you are as His child, if you haven't forgiven yourself, if you haven't come to learn to love yourself, not above everybody else, but learn to love yourself as God's child, then every other relationship you have is going to be broken. And if you can't live in peace with others, guess what? Then you can't live at peace with yourself and you're never going to be able to live at peace with God. It's like trying to ride a bicycle with a broken wheel. Ever tried to do that? Pretty soon the wheel vibrates so bad that the handlebars become loose. And the seat begins to sink, and before you know it, you've fallen off. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back, the whole team to come back, and we're going to sing Spafford's hymn again. And as we do this, I'm going to invite you to pray. Now, in our tradition here, we have a wonderful place to pray. It's called these altars. It's absolutely a wonderful place because you can physically come and you can just leave it there. You can leave it there. 
You can walk away from it. Don't pick it back up. But some of you this morning need to fix your relationship with God. You need to ask Him to come into your heart and forgive you and to make you whole, maybe for the first time. There are others of you who just need to learn how to love yourself and to find peace with yourself as a child of God. And there's others of you who just need to learn how to forgive. You need to learn how to be a peacemaker in your family, at work, with your neighbor. You need to learn how to be a peacemaker. As we're singing this song, I encourage you to pray. You can pray right where you are. You can pray standing up. You can kneel right where you are. Or we invite you to come and pray down here. If you come and pray here, I guarantee you there's going to be somebody who will come and, and pray with you and help you as well. Why don't you stand with us as we, as we close today?